Other horns don't. Everything that we do every day, we want to be a champion. Get your mind right and let's go. Do the little things. Win every day. It's a surplus they play so far. Everything with an attitude. Got a family. Yes. I don't give a shit who we're playing. Dominic play against and make his ass play. That's our framework. That's our MO with the team. Richardson breaks free on the sideline. This is a mauling, folks, a mauling. Hear the tide, honey Hello and welcome to another edition of the Alabama Football Podcast. Tom, what could possibly be better? Alabama kicks little brother in the shin en route to the third consecutive appearance in the SEC championship game. No, man, it's always nice to go to Atlanta, and it's always nice to beat up on the Tigers. And now that we run the same offense... Um, they can't even get a first down until about halftime, so that's pretty cool too. Yeah, I think they had one uh, one in the first half. I'm just going to give you sort of the open floor. I know you probably want to get mad at the uh, the play calling and the game plan and the quarterback play. I won't debate you on it. I probably have a counterpoint, but uh, why, don't you, why don't you step through what you saw offensively? I'm going to let you go first today, man. Okay. Look, I'm going to I'm going to lay it out like this, and again, onesie or twosie, but. If we're talking philosophy, I'm going to say that setting setting up a game plan is like it's like a recipe. You don't just throw a bunch of stuff together. There's a little bit of process. We're looking at an Auburn team that had gone roughly, uh, based on the stats that I looked at, they had gone roughly eight games without allowing a rushing touchdown. Uh, we know that Saban's philosophy on defense is to shut down an opponent's running game, and the rest of their offense will fall. And so if you kind of wrap that together, it's not unreasonable to think that the game plan was not to come out running from the beginning. The fact that we uh, that the tight had success running in the third and fourth quarter does not mean that they would have had the same success in the first quarter. I think the game plan was purposely to pass the ball early, to frustrate the defense, to wear out the defense, and then come back and run the ball effectively in the second half. And that's exactly what happened. Was the passing performance flawless? Of course not, especially with the two interceptions. But we did have a freshman quarterback complete 75% of his passes in a big rivalry game for almost 300 yards. Uh, I continue to be impressed with his poise. And I think there was a logic, there was a method to the game planning magic process. And when I look at it with a little bit of a remove, and I see how those dots connect for me, um, I think it's a bit of clever game planning as opposed to Kiffin was a moron in the first half and Saban called all the plays in the second half. Well, man, I, I could have uh, – I, I should have gone to Vegas, man. I could have put some some chips down on on red uh, being how you were going to – what side of the coin you were going to you were gonna take on that one, man. Um, obviously, I disagree. Um, but that's cool, man. We can disagree. I mean, that's the surprise, right? We, we, we can. No, no I, I was definitely not surprised with 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 how you took that, and uh, I didn't think you'd be surprised with mine. Um, you know, he. You, you have to hang your hat on his poise. Uh, that's the only thing you can hang your hat on um, is his poise. Um, he played like a freshman. Um, the The difference is this team has a defense that. Well, I'll say it this way. Because Saban has transitioned this defense 
to play against the likes of the hurry-up offense by dropping the weight of the players across the three levels. And we've talked about moving the cornerbacks to safeties and having five cornerbacks in the game, et cetera, et cetera. But because you've got the likes of Jonathan Allen, who can hold up at the point of attack inside and doesn't need to be 330 pounds, this defense is now able to better against these new offenses than they did five years ago. And so Alabama has got the luxury because the riches get richer. They've got the luxury of, I mean, dude, how many games have we seen in the past? Okay, I'll put it this way. In all the years we've watched Alabama football, if you would have said against Auburn that we would have had two interceptions that were horrible passes and two fumbles and could have had more, Sure. And Auburn still wouldn't have had a first down into the, you know, deep into the second quarter. This is just not typical Alabama dominance. I mean, we have the luxury that we can like make all these mistakes and the freshman can play like a freshman and teams still can't do anything against us. It, it's like utopia. It's not, it's almost like it's like Tecmo Bowl, fo- Bowl football. It's not even real football, it seems like. Yeah, there's an element of unrealness that allows us to play the freshman at at the quarterback position. And, you know, if you could go through and and make it like a lab experiment where you tweak the factors and you're able to sort of run it on a a computer model type basis and all the sort of different iterations, you know, if you take away a couple of players from the defense and the defense isn't what it is, then you probably don't start a freshman. You do have a little bit of margin and – there is some upside, I think, that uh, to what Jalen brings that is different than what the other guys bring or, or brought, uh, and, and that we're able to get to what he brings because we have the margin on defense, not just defense, but the offense as well with uh, sort of the stable of running backs and the stable of receivers. They, they work in tandem to keep the defenses honest. So – you know, look, Jalen Jalen is an opportunity to look at something glass half full, glass half empty, because he's not a full glass. He's not what he's going to be. He is a freshman. That's all he's going to be this season, but he can grow and mature. He's not developed in some ways that I maybe expected him to, and maybe these last two weeks there's been a little bit of sort of regression, but – I can live with that, right? Because he hasn't really, really rolled out a stinker, um, you know, for the team. And and if you want to call this one a stinker, they're still he he completed, you know, seventy five percent of his passes for almost three hundred yards. If you just put that style, that that stat line out there, and you say the guy's a true freshman without really knowing anything else, you're going to get nine out of ten football fans. They're going to say that's impressive. And, well. And and it's true, it is. Now there's no. other factors, and there's and then you factor in sort of personal preference. Uh, but I don't think you can get a. I don't think you can get unless there's a mean spirited to it. I don't think it's it's. I don't think it's easy to. I don't. I don't think it's easy to get too far away from still being at least somewhat impressed. No, like I'm impressed with his poise. He is. He has athletic ability. He tries to tries to make plays that aren't there with his legs and teams have gotten wise to it because they're watching the film. 
Sure. And so there is no mean spirit. Okay. I'm being a realist. It's not hard to complete 75% of your passes when all your passes are behind at or behind the line of scrimmage for the majority. So let's be real. Okay. He's not dropping back like a standard pro style quarterback. He's not picking defenses apart, throwing crossing patterns, throwing deep slants, throwing post. He, I mean, I don't have the stats in front of me of his zero to 10 yards, 10 to 20 and 20 to 30. But once again, if we look at the percentage of passes he completes in the intermediate to deep route, those percentages are no way near 75%. I, and so, I, no, I understand that, but that's true of any quarterback. You could put Joe Montana out there, and the easy passes are easier to complete than the shorter passes. Sure. Oh, but a Joe, oh and guess what? Guess what? Joe Montana in the West Coast offense threw a lot of short passes. I mean, the, the whole sort of Bill Walsh yeah. philosophy was to use the short passing game as an, as an extension – of the running game. And so, you know, if you want to hold out there, Joe Montana, the best quarterback ever, well, he threw a lot of short passes too. The pure drop back passing quarterbacks and the pro style offense are also going to complete more of those intermediate to long passes sure, than he sure. does. A better and passer. They're, and, they're, and they're going to do it by double digits. Okay. And so what I said a minute ago is this team has the luxury because they have players on defense that other teams just don't have. I mean, at one point, um, you know, on a third down play, you had Tim Williams, you had Ryan Anderson, you had Dalvin Tomlinson, you had Jonathan Allen. Okay. Four seniors who have come through a program and have gotten better, far better than they were when they walked on this campus. Sure. And I still feel like one of Saban's biggest strengths is he recruits the same players that Georgia and Florida State and Penn State and Michigan and all sure, the big programs do. But but if you look at what they do once they get here to when they leave, that's where there's no comparison. And so, that, I agree with that. Up and down the roster, both sides of the ball, that and and that's almost a that is almost a separate topic. But I, I it, agree. It is, a, it is a separate topic. But my point is, is at one point in the game when those four guys lined up on defense on a third down play, I'm sitting here thinking, this is why he can play a freshman. Because sure. let's face it, in years past, he would have benched his ass a long time ago, and he would have put somebody in there with more experience. This guy would not have been the starting quarterback this many games into the season if the defense didn't do what the defense is doing. Sure. So, sure. so, while, so while you talk about, you know, all the, you know, everything you said a minute ago about his progress, let's be real. If those early turnovers, if we're down, you know, 17 to nothing or 21 to nothing, do you think Saban's not at least thinking about it? You bet your ass he's still thinking about it. Granted, he came back from Ole Miss, and at the time I gave him credit for coming back from Ole Miss. The kids got moxie. Totally get it. But Saban said it best in his post-game press conference. He said, I talked to Jalen a couple times every week. Sure. And this week, again, I talked to him about taking what the defense gives you and not trying to make plays that aren't there. Well, guess what? First and go uh, third and third and one in the red zone in the first in the first series where we should have put points on the board. He should have handed the ball off to Damian Harris and got a first down on third and one. What did he do? He saw the cornerback blitzing in off the edge. He said, I can outrun you. But guess what? OJ Howard was blocking that, was blocking that outside defensive end out so Damian Harris could run up the middle. 
Jalen thought, I'm fast enough to beat you. Well, guess what? Now that the LSU game has been played a few weeks ago, teams have seen this. And teams have said, we know how to shut Jalen Hurts down. Jalen Hurts is not going to run outside on us because here's how we're going to stop it. But yet on third and one at the eight-yard line in the first quarter of a big rivalry game when seven to nothing would be better than three to nothing, he tried to outrun him and he lost seven yards. Yeah, he should have. Why? Because he's a freshman. And so, so, yes, is he going to continue to get better? Of course he is going to continue to get better. There's no doubt. But right this second, Saban's big thing of managing the game and protecting the ball, I am shocked that he doesn't get on his ass more for four turnovers in a game like this. I'm shocked, to be quite frank. Well, I think Saban's managing his personnel, and and he he does get on to Jalen, and I think he picks his spots, and I think that he recognizes uh, I, I'm going to – I'm going to get on to a true freshman quarterback maybe differently than I will someone else. And I think that's appropriate. I, th- I think that's, I think that's wisdom at, at the head coaching position. Well, and it was second and one actually, which makes it even worse. It was second and one at the eight, as opposed to third. And he and should one. have handed that ball off. I'm not, I'm not going to argue. I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to tell you that he was flawless in every way. That's one that I, I think, you know, probably either Reed was, was okay. And we talked about this at the game. I think, that either read was probably okay, but that was a that was a strong performance by uh, a good defensive player. He should have handed that ball off. I'm, I don't I don't dispute it, that. No, one no, and, and I'm not picking plays because there's plays he did well. Okay, but what I'll say is is that I'm just saying the bigger picture is teams are scouting him differently since sure. the success that LSU had. Which week and twelve, and he I has mean, to and he has to recognize that. And, well, and and, 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 and it, you know if a team has any any merit about him, they've been. They've been scouting them since well long before the LSU game. I mean, it's week 12. Well, LSU had a very good game plan. They did. They've just got the personnel to, to execute it. Auburn, I think, has good personnel. I don't think they're as deep as Alabama. I don't think they're as deep as LSU. Uh, I think they have uh, good, uh, very good personnel, and I think that's probably why the Alabama uh, game plan was a little – more stilted to the passing game uh, than than you know to try to run the ball even even with Jalen because Jalen had much many many fewer carries than he has in in other games so I don't well, know I think the, I think the He's game still, plan he, was look we're going to try to pass against these guys and as and there was some success there just there was some there were some some gaffes there as well. Oh, sure, but I will tell you, this is where we'd like to be on the fly on the wall and, and like to find out the true answer because we can agree to disagree on on your comment there about the game plan. You know, I don't know how much leeway Lane Kiffin gets to script those first 15 plays, right? I wish I did. I wish it was like, is it carte blanche? Like, Lane, you know, I'm going to give you some suggestions and and you script those plays, or is it a collaborative effort across the entire offensive coaching staff? I don't know. But once again, in that post-game press conference, which I love much better than the Monday press conference, sure, sure. they asked him about adjustments at halftime. And he clearly said, we had to run the ball more than we were running the ball. We had to stop running the ball with the quarterback. And we had to start running the ball more with our tailbacks. And we started having more success. And so does that mean Saban got what he wanted at halftime, which is what I think is the case, and you don't? Or is that... 
to mean that. Well, that's not mutually is- exclusive. If the game plan is, if the agreed game plan is to run more in the second half, then why can't that be both? No, it no, it can be if that's the case. I'm just saying I don't know that that's the case. And so I wish I knew how much leeway Lane Kiffin gets because the guy does call good plays here and there. He does do a lot with his talent. We talked, you know, we talked about the, you know, the Blake Sims analogy and all the things that Lane Kiffin brings to the table is that this is a game like LSU that I think if they had come out and run the ball early, they would have had just the same success that they had in the second half, and it would have been a total different ball game. We can agree to disagree on that. And just like LSU, I think they would have won going away. I think they would have put their foot on their throat for Auburn. They would have taken them out of the game early. They would have run the ball down their throat. And then in the second half, it would have opened up the passing game, and you could have had a young freshman quarterback have all kind of people open because they would have had eight guys in the box. We just won't agree well on that, which is fine. And so I think they're doing it backwards. I think they 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 this is too many weeks that we see the same game plan. And so when you play a team like Ole Miss, okay, I'll say it this way. LSU and Auburn, I think this was the wrong game plan. I think you take the second half, you bring it to the first half, and you flip-flop it, okay? Because I think they have more athleticism on the defensive side of the ball. And so trying to stretch the edges. Take take uh, our uh, take our Darius Stewart. <laughs> they did that little end-around thing, right? And he had success on the very first time he did it. He never had success again doing it because they shut it down. And so, and so you and I both know there are teams they played early in the season where they did the same damn play on the right side of the field. They did on the left side of the field, and they both ran for 20 yards, right? Well, Auburn and LSU aren't those teams. And so I think as you go forward, Florida's defense is another example. I think they need to flip the script. If they make it to the semifinal, I think they need to flip the script. If they make it to the final, they need to flip the script because the defenses you're about to roll out here um, potentially – um, you know, I think you need to go with your running game with your great ride receivers who are great run blockers and uh, and build off that. All right. What else on offense did you see? Um, one of the best passes that Jalen Hurts made at the uh, in the second half, I think was directly attributable to the play action pass. So the other thing I'll quickly say about the running game is I think that Alabama's bread and butter, is the play action pass, in my opinion. And so, you know, he was able to complete some really nice, you know, that nice touchdown to Ardarius Stewart was because Bo Scarborough had been running the ball down their throat. And uh, and it set up a very, you know, a very nice pass to Ardarius Stewart for, you know, for the touchdown, um, you know, the, the 38-yard pass. So um, I like seeing Bo come out and see – I like the fact that Bo came out to start the second half rushing the ball. I like the fact that he came out rushing the ball on the edges. His first three runs was over right tackle, over left end, over left tackle, then over, you know, I mean, we were, it was interesting to me, and maybe this goes back to, you know, uh, maybe this goes back to Auburn. Maybe this goes back to your point about uh, Auburn's uh, senior leadership in the middle with, you know, Montrevious Adams. Sure. Maybe they said, we're going to rush, you know, we're going to go at these smaller guys on the edges with Big Bo as opposed to going after, you know, Montrevious Adams. But I found it interesting that we chose Bo as our starting tailback in the second half, and we chose to go on the tackle, on the tackle edges for the first three or four runs of the second half. Yeah, so still t- still attacking the edges, just not in the same way as a jet sweep. 
there's some of the same principle there. It's just executed uh, a, a little bit differently. I, I like, again, I like Bo attacking in the second half. We share that. I just think I, I like the staging of it. You would have preferred that to happen in the first half. We both like it happening. It's just the timing of it, and I'm okay with that. No, absolutely. Now, let me tell you something very quickly, too, because I don't want to forget to say it. I was thoroughly impressed with how Kervin manned yes. up against Montravius Adams. There were several times he had him man on man, and uh, he won the wrestling match. It's not like he shoved him five yards on skates, you know, down the field. Sure, sure. But I thought the guy played pretty well in a difficult situation against one of the best interior players in the country. I agree, and and that type of defensive lineman, you're not going to put on skates. You, you know, sometimes the best sometimes the best you can do is just stalemate them at the line, and and and. And, and coaches can sort of game plan around that. Look, he's not going to drive Montrevious off the ball. That's rarely going to happen. But if I can get a stalemate here, then we can win. We can we can manage around that if we can just get a stalemate. And so the fact that he was able to do that, uh, I, I think was very impressive. Cam Robinson was in and played one of his better games. Uh, those two fellows were both, uh, uh, you know, sort of escorted out of the game last week with injury. So it was good to see them both back. One thing I did not notice, and we've seen it in the last two or three games, is Corin rotating with Kasher at that guard position. I don't believe I saw Kasher in the game against the Tigers. Uh, I think it was Corin all the way. No, I, I didn't see any rotation there as well. And um, now we also we also a couple weeks ago saw saw Cotton in there as well. You know, he 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 got spelled in there some as well, right? I don't know that I saw Cotton uh, other than – I guess it was Mississippi State. Yeah, other than special teams. I thought he had come in there with the twos. And so one of the questions I was going to ask you – Yeah, maybe late then, but yeah. I got you. So one of the the questions I was going to ask you real quick is, do you think that the Curvin, you know, getting his second start, do you think that that has more to do with having the extra beef uh, because they don't have Shank in there, do you think that that's why we 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 are seeing a curving? Because you and I talked about the running game, and we talked about you know what Shank was doing in the running game. Do you do you think that that's why we're seeing Curvin versus uh, Casher or Cotton? Yeah, I think so. I especially Casher because you know you line all these guys up, and I think he's probably the smallest of them. That doesn't mean he's not going to develop. He's probably the youngest of them too. Um, I think, I think, I, I think having some weight in the britches, I think does matter. Um, you know, if Alphonse had not had sort of his off season thing and he had, he had come in at kind of the right weight and he didn't have the concussions, then I, I think he would have been entrenched in that position. Uh, it's been a little bit of a turnstile, uh, in terms of the, you know, we've had four different guys play at the position, which, you know. We kind of kid about that, but but there's a reality there. Um, I don't think Cotton played bad, and I think that he got to a point where he was actually actually playing pretty good. And so it was curious to me, um, and I talked about this a little bit last week, you know, with the Chattanooga game that, you know, leading up to that game, Saban said that, you know, said what he said about Corin being one of the better linemen, which you and I talked about being a little bit surprised by. 
And then, you know, he went ahead and made the decision. And I think there was an injury because we've not seen, you know, Lester really play a whole lot. And he's been a starter. And I, and I think Coach kind of made the, the comment that they moved him to guard thinking that he would develop a little more quickly than he has, that he's more of a natural tackle. And I thought, well, that's curious 10 weeks into the season where he's been pretty good at some points formidable at that guard position. So I don't know. It's just that's one of those things. You, I mean, all we can sort of do is take it by faith because we're not at practice every day to kind of see how it plays out. So I guess I just have to say, well, that's that's, I guess, true. And that Corin clearly has been coming on and coming on and coming on. Um, and at some point, you know, maybe he was backing up Jonah and sort of ready to play at the right tackle position. And so Jonah kind of stepped up and that gave Corin the opportunity to maybe practice at another position and 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 really sort of be, built up some reps and uh, reps and some experience at, at guard and and sort of surpassed Cotton in practice. Those are the kinds of things. Those are the tea leaves I'm reading, but I mean, I mean, who knows, right? Well, you know how we always talk on offense about one unsung hero uh, who always steps up and you know becomes a key player uh, for the Alabama offense out of nowhere, and so um, uh, you and I would have lost our bets because uh, you know when we've mentioned who that breakout player was going to be, Kervin was not listed by either one of us to my recollection, and um, that just speaks to how they develop players like we were talking about earlier. Right. I mean, you know, cause on the telecast, you know, after, you know, we had watched it live, you know, Gary Danielson, I think he referenced five different players at, at guard. So whether it's four or five, you and I have talked about how we've had teams where we've had to go to our six linemen on the line somewhere and, you know, Olay, you know, let the bull come sure. in. And so to have even tried all the different players they've tried, Pride speaks to the depth of this program is developing over the years with Saban, but to take a guy like Kervin from the defense and move him to the offense and, you know, to just come out of nowhere like this um, and play in a big game like this, you know, just, just speaks to why Alabama is a dynasty and why it's them and everybody else. No, I I agree. And, you know, I didn't see Danielson say five and I'd kind of wonder what his list is and, you know, when you get into the second team, you know, okay, there's going to be another guy. But there's been four, definitely four, that has played with the starting line, with the starters on uh, on the line at the right guard position. I'm not counting, you know, Pierce Baker uh, as sort of a fifth guy. I at, bet you at, that's probably the fifth guy. Yeah, or or it's, what... or it's the true sort of backup when we get to, um, you know, whoever it might would be. Um, when you bring in the twos, so sure, sure. So I, you know, I'll take it. I won't argue his his five, but the four is what's meaningful for me because that's four that have played with the ones. Well, hey, let me ask you real quick. Um, obviously, I would have liked Jalen to have rushed it a little bit less than his twelve. I like I like the seven to ten. Um, I like the the use of Bo in the second half. Um, he finished with a respectable 5.3 yards a carry, but Damian Harris had a respectable 5.2. Mm-hmm. You know, hey, I am Jacobs was up over six with his average. Well, and and so I was going to say to you that that while I'm very happy Bo has gotten his opportunities because he has been banged up. Sure, I'm also surprised that that Damian and Josh between the two of them only got 14 carries. 
And I guess that just goes back to our difference in opinions on the game plan. Cause you know, you know, in this game you had 44 rushing attempts and you don't know how many of those drop back passes. Jalen just called his own number and pulled it down and ran. But when you look at this game, they had 37 passing attempts and 44 rushing attempts. I, I would have liked to have seen Damian Harris and Josh get a little more run um, than they did. But I guess that helps from a standpoint of, you know, having all our horses fresh going into this stretch run. Right. Damien and Josh don't have to – they didn't have to do a lot. Bo got to do some more, and he hadn't been doing some. And so hopefully all three of them will be kind of ready to have their 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 numbers uh, called here in the next couple of weeks. No, I agree. And I think that uh, there's something to Bo and his size and getting his, his size in there against an otherwise a stout – uh, defensive front, and we saw that against LSU too, where uh, Saban wanted Bo to run the ball against LSU and their stout defensive front. So there's still old school, you know, physical sort of smash mouth football in in Coach Saban. There's no doubt about it, and I think Kiffin too, for that matter. And so I think there was a concerted um, energy. You know, Bo could have played last week against Chattanooga, and he actually asked Coach, you know, and dressed, you know, can I play? And, and Coach said, no, I, you know, I'm going to hold you out another game. And, and you know, clearly this is what he was going for. I mean, you know, Bo had 17 carries. We could probably add up games this season in which he didn't have 17 carries. And I don't know that he's had, without all the stats in front of me, I don't know that he's had a 17-carry game this season at all. So You could probably add up two games where he might not have had 17 carries. In yeah, two. absolutely. And so I think there's a little bit of, you know, we wanted to go with a big physical back. I think Saban knows what he has. Uh, you know, B.J. Emmons just kind of, you know, trailed off, and certainly he's had injury. So, you know, no disparagement there, but he's he's had injury. I think you kind of know what you got with with the Bo, a Damian, and Jacobs. You know, they do three different – you know, they're three different styles of back. And so they're all effective in sort of what they do and in their, in their space. But I think Saban wanted to punch him in the mouth. And when he wanted to come out and run the ball, and again, we could – I'm not sure. argue. No, I just, no, 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 I understand. But, but when, but when the decision was made, either you know, however, however it was made, when the decision was made that we're going to come out and smash you in the mouth running the ball, Saban wanted to do that with his big back. Oh no, sure. Now I will say also before I forget that early in the game, I was hoping to see, you know, some some screens utilized, and and due to the success that that Jacobs had. Um, I hope we see more of that in this stretch run because um, that is something we don't use a lot in our arsenal. And um, I, I, I wish we I wish we could see some more screens in our attack. No, no. And, 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 and let me clarify, because you and I talked about this at the game and I kind of kind of ribbed you a little bit. You're not talking about wide receiver screens. You're talking about sort of a conventional screen to the running back. No, I am. I'm, uh, exactly. I'm glad you clarified that. Not the bubble screen. We, I mean, we, we do enough different actions off of that. I just would like to see uh, more of these middle screens uh, sure. just to add some versatility to the offense. No, I, I agree. Um, you know, you and I have been talking about uh, uh, jumbo packages, especially in short yarded situations. And I almost not, could not get the words out of my mouth uh, when, when um, who do we see? Uh, Deron Payne and um, Jonathan Allen. And Jonathan Allen, thank you. Uh, come in and lead block for Bo. I mean, that's a beef package. Brandon Green was in there as well. I mean, it, all the players coming out, and I was so excited. I couldn't list them, as, as, you know, because there were just so many of them, right? Oh, we haven't seen 
you know, we'd be, I mean, how many times have you called for Brandon Green, you know, on a goal line situation? And so not only do we get him, but we get two, you know, <laughs> two defensive linemen to uh, to come in as well. I mean, that's like, you know, back when Cody and, and um, you know, some of the other guys uh, used to do that and to see both of them come in, that was pretty cool, huh? It was cool, and it makes you wonder right there if Saban was like, okay, I'm showing you my cards. I don't care. Bo's been going down the field, right? It's short yardage. We need this. I'm going to telegraph this. I'm going to bring an extra 900-plus pounds into the game between those three guys, and I don't think you can stop it. And right. I loved it. I mean, I, I mean – that that's you got them on the heels and and do the knockout punch. I I, yeah. I I love the fact that that they did that formation. I think three times total in the game, and um, obviously Jonathan Allen, obviously Deron Payne has the athleticism with his fumble yeah. recovery in the mm-hmm. Ole Miss game. Mm-hmm. Obviously Jonathan Allen has the athleticism because we talked numerous times about if he wasn't playing down, you know, on this mm-hmm. defense, we'd be screwed. Mm-hmm. So uh, I thought it was probably the best two players they could have picked. Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah, I think, you know. Unless they, and, unless they get hurt, obviously. Yeah. That's I a mean, whole different topic. Yeah, that's that's a whole other thing. I think that, you know, there's a, there's a, there is a lot of room in football to sort of, you know, give deceptive keys. And, and not not to say trick plays, but to sort of, you know, is this going to be a run or pass? We've got the personnel that we could do both, so the defense has to be ready to defend both. I don't mean like a tricky, tricky dick play, but just, you know, where the personnel is such that they could do a couple of different things, and so the defense has has to be, you know, I'm okay with that, right? But, but that's, But every play doesn't have to be that. Sometimes it's Green Bay Packer, we're going to line up, and I don't care if you know what we're going to do. We're going to out-execute it, and we're going to out-physical you, and we're going to just beat you with superior athletes. And so sometimes I don't mind bringing in, like you said, 900 pounds of beef and say, well, we're going to run the ball and you're not going to stop us. And, you know, we were successful uh, doing that. So I, I would like to see more of that. And we and not it doesn't have to be every game. It doesn't have to be. But it's situational. And there are times. How many times have we talked about this? Right. When you get a first down inside the five, you know, at the goal line, just bring Run some the just ball bring the beef package in. If you wanted to, if you know, if you want to do a design rollout off of, off of that, or you know, the Blake Sims sort of run that he had a couple of years ago, or the Jalston Fowler kind of play sort of out of that that kind of package, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that because there's there's room for that to work and there's room for that to be, you know, clever game planning as well. But come out with that that sort of package and just punch somebody in the nose and I'm okay with that too. No, and this is why our podcast could go for for 4 hours because there's so much, you know, great stuff to talk about is I think Jalen had so much success early in the season of just calling his own number and just running behind the, you know, the running back who was going to block for him that, that he tends to do that a lot, you know, down on the goal line. And so to your point, I'd love it if we're first and goal on the four, dude, we're going to run the ball four times in a row. Cause we think one of those four times we will score. Yeah. We think we can get four yards on four carries. And so instead of doing the quarterback um, sweep behind the running back, I would love in this stretch run 
them to incorporate the naked bootleg. I would yeah. love them to just run the ball straight at teams and then pull a rabbit out of your hat with his athleticism and just do a naked bootleg. And I think that would be extremely successful. Yeah, yeah, I'm absolutely fine with that. And we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Maybe it was the LSU game. I can't remember. But take if, – if you're not going to get – the first, you know, let's say the defense, you know, give props to the defense. If they're if they're going to have a goal line stand and they're not going to let you in, then guess what? You're getting the ball at the one yard line as opposed to we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna roll out when you kind of half expect we're gonna do it anyways, and you're gonna sack our quarterback at the eight and essentially get For a, first a seven yard loss and, yeah. and a cushion, yeah. And so, yeah, we're gonna pound the ball. And it's going to suck for you because we're either going to score or you're going to get the ball in the one. So And, oh, by the way, our defense hadn't given up a touchdown since freaking October, so good luck. I mean, really? Right. You know? So well, give, me, right. give me your mini game ball. Um, you know, I want to I ask you a, a question because uh, this is not my mini game ball. But uh, um, our Darius, we talked about our Darius. You know, he was 10, uh, 10 catches for 127. I think he had 14 uh, targets to me he's a spark plug he, he's sort of a security blanket for Jalen I hope that our Darius comes back next year uh, so we can kind of grow on that but there's something that that uh, Auburn did twice they brought in sort of a wildcat guy and 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 he threw the ball and uh, Saban you know sort of coached up the defense when this guy comes in watch for this because he was a high school quarterback and uh, I think we got him for a three-yard loss once, and I think we picked them off another time. So it's almost like when we intercepted, you know, Tebow's jump pass, right? I mean, what you got, we're ready for. So uh, and, and so when you when you when you consider that, uh, our Darius threw a pass because he was a high school quarterback too. <laughs> Do you think that that was probably more lane than 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 coach? But do you think that was a little bit of? Yeah, we can beat you with that shit too. I do think that's him being his childhood, his, going back to his childhood roots. Yes. Yes. And um, and and I, Saban made a actually Saban made a comment um as well in that post game press conference, which was kind of cool. He talked about the adjustments at halftime in the locker room for the defense. Yes. yes. Did you hear this? And so for yes. the listeners that that might not have heard this, he. <laughs> He was talking about a couple plays that was given up in the passing game in the second half, a couple shots that they took, and he was like, we drew up the play in the locker room. We told the players they will run this play. Right. Here is exactly what they will do. He said, now, we ended up being playing against the, the run more than the pass as far as how we ended up lining up, and so they had those couple shots that, that they had success with. I thought it was so cool. He was like, you know, we've been coaching against these guys for 10 years and yeah. Yeah. we knew exactly what they were going to do in the second half. We yeah, told we them they were going to yeah. do. <laughs> yeah, we kind of know what they're all about, which I love, right? Because that's about as much as he's going to say about what we think about it. Sure. And so I, I think that's pretty awesome. Uh, you want to do mini game ball or you want me to go? No, I'll go. I got two. Uh, okay. First goes to Hale, uh, who had been yeah, okay. kind of, uh, you know, playing a little bit behind Miller and Hale got more opportunities in this ball game. And um, he got more opportunities, uh, especially in the second half with the running game. And so, um, you know, unheralded, you know, didn't fill up the stat sheet, um, but did some good things. 
And uh, so I wanted to I wanted to mention him. And then obviously, you know, not to go back over it, you know, Corin Curvin. I mean, yeah. he's the epitome of your mini game ball. And um, if he doesn't have the game he has at right guard, you know, it changes the complexion of the game if if Montrevious Adams kind of kind of goes crazy. Sure, sure, sure. And 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 it makes me wonder if that wasn't some four scouting, you know, because we've got this massive coaching, you know, sort of assistants and and whatever all, you know, sort of this academy of coaches that that are always sort of scouting and looking and all that. Was there a little bit of and and we talked about the size of of Corin. There might have been a little bit of, hey, we've got some stout defensive fronts coming up, and if we're not going to have Alphonse, then we need to find someone with some sand in their britches and get them ready to play. And that may have that may have facilitated some of the rotation as well. And see, guys, this is why we love doing this podcast because you're not going to hear that shit anywhere else, right? Right? That they that they potentially started putting those tea leaves in place a month ago. Yep. All right, give me your mini game ball. Mini game ball, uh, you know, I'm kind of going the same sort of theory as is uh, as you are. Uh, O.J. Howard, I know he's kind of a star player, but just his contribution was sort of off the off the grid on Saturday. I mean, he had five catches, but only 40, 45 yards. Um, a lot of little, uh, or at least a couple little inside shuffle passes, which I think those were pretty good play calls. And I think he's blocking. I think he's underrated as a blocker. I just think he's a contributor when he's out there on the field. And and I think he's just one of those kind of quiet, sort of subtle participation sort of leaders that uh, this team's going to miss next year. Yeah, but he's going to make a lot of money in the pros. He indeed they, they need tight ends who can block for the running game and just do the little things, and he's going he's gonna to handle the little things. Well, I don't think he's going to. He's gonna catch passes too, but I'm just saying. Too. I'm just saying everything else he brings to the table. You know, he he is building his resume for NFL Draft Day. Right. I agree. Now. I agree. All right, so let's flip it over to defense and Tony Brown. I appreciate all the effort you have made to come back. You have got to bend your knees and lower your helmet, and you have got to put your helmet on the numbers. I went back and watched the replay. Clearly targeting. It was really? way more helmet than I thought it was. Um, oh yeah, way more helmet, way more helmet than it looked like from, from our seats in the lower bowl. And so, uh, obviously it's a quick play. It's in the moment, you know, obviously it's easy for me to say this behind this mic versus Tony Brown doing it. But, um, thank goodness, uh, we had time to kind of regroup and, and, uh, and make adjustments, you know, or give, give Minka time to, to reacclimate, but, you know, this just goes back to the rich, you know, rich gets richer, man. I mean, of all the years Saban's been here, I mean, this is just some good stuff, man. I mean, you, you lose an All-American in Eddie Jackson. So you, you lose this great player. You take a five-star damn cornerback. You move him to strong safety. And because he's so freaking smart, you don't miss a beat. Then you have another five-star cornerback that you can put in his place. And, oh, by the way, he gets thrown out of the game, and it really wasn't your fault, Tony. And so what do we do? We move the five-star back. We're able to bring another guy in at safety, and we don't miss a beat, man. I mean, teams must just be freaking shaking their heads saying, are you freaking kidding me? Yeah. I mean, and really? Another, another highly rated uh, – I, I don't know if Hootie was a five, but he, he – you know, I think he was a four-star. But to your point, four, but teams got to be saying – teams need to have, like, 
12 guys thrown out for us for targeting to have a freaking chance. Well, and and if you layer into that, uh, I'm glad you brought up Eddie, right? If if you layer into, and so that was in the first half, if you layer into in the third quarter where Marlon goes down with some sort of leg injury and former walk-on, uh, you know, Levi Wallace comes in, you know, and, and so you've got Marlon out, you've got Eddie out, you've got Tony Brown out, and Tommy, we still came out and played some dime. And so now <laughs> do the math, right? You almost need a third hand. We're nine deep in in the secondary. I mean well, just- that very much surprised me that that we that we did a little dime there. I I really thought we would just go nickel and we would stay nickel and we would shut it down and we would just stay in our base. Because Levi Wallace, who didn't play bad in his other opportunities, He's small in stature. He's six foot, one hundred and seventy pounds. He hasn't had the, you know, he hasn't had the playing time that these other guys have have obviously had, and sure. and doesn't come in with the accolades that these other guys have. But you know, shame on Auburn, okay, because they didn't try to pick on those opportunities at all. I mean, let, let's talk about this real quick for the listeners. I mean, if you it, it, you know who Minka is, and and you know you're the coaching staff for the other team, and you know what they did with all the movements we just talked about? By damn, when Tony Brown goes out of the game and Minka has to drop back to the star, buddy, I'm picking on Hootie like three of the next four plays. I'm going to make him run 30 yards on the first down play, 30 yards on the second down play, 30 yards on the third down play. Oh, okay, sorry, I had to punt the ball. I just gassed his butt for 90 yards. Guess what I'm doing the very next series? I'm going, I'm yeah. going after him again. And I'm gonna I'm gonna run him to his tongue hangs out. Right. And so explain to me, because you and I are not coaches and we're not qualified to be coaches. But why did Auburn not pick on that situation at all? Yeah. Except and, for a couple of throws. Yeah, and 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 they did pick on my, on him a little bit. And I think he got I think he got I think he got burned once, but no offense to Hootie, whoever the player is. I'm saying, why did they not pick on that opportunity to try to stretch us there? No, no, no. I agree, and I and I would put I would put you know, and again, we're not picking on anyone, but I would put Levi Wallace into that as well. Again, and and Deontay Thompson when he came in, because we're talking nine deep in your secondary. I mean, how many how many you know coaches are going to look at their secondary room and say, if I've got to go nine deep here, we're in trouble. We are putting a target-rich environment on the field for the opponent, and and you know our nine may be better than someone else's nine, but you know there's a reason that they're seven, eight, nine, and and not one, two, three. I think it was a perfect storm for Auburn to have tried to take advantage of it, but it was the perfect mismatch in that their you know they've played three quarterbacks, and and the best passer of the bunch wasn't available. And well, and it, and it doesn't hurt, right? That that Jeremy Johnson lost his starting gig at the beginning of the season when he threw six interceptions. Right. So to right. your point, I guess that's it. I guess they just didn't want to take as many chances. But hell, they had nothing to lose in the second half, no, right? They didn't, and so you think you think that you know you try to you try to take those chances, but. I don't have an answer because you have to at least try. And and they did. I don't want to say that they didn't, but you would think that they would be a lot more aggressive. But I don't know. They're more of a running team, even even with their spread. 
which spread people equate spread to passing. Uh, you know, some of the better spread teams have have been more prolific running teams. Even go back to Oregon, you know, they were sixty forty running the ball. Uh, even when they were putting up all those points under under Chip Kelly, they were more of a running team, even though even though they they were a spread team. So they were effective with the ball on the ground, and their quarterbacks were not as effective with the ball in the air. And so, what could have been an opportunity for them to uh, advance the ball, you know, passing, they weren't able to. And Tommy, I'm not going to discount the fact that their time of possession on the game was 19 minutes, 19 minutes and 31 seconds. And so there's a little bit of, I don't care what I want to do on offense. I have got to eat some minutes to rest my defense, or this thing is even going to get more out of hand. Well, the fact that the fact that they started the game, you know, we had the blown punt coverage. They started our 21 yard line, and they and they lose three yards and settle for a field goal. I mean, that just started it right there. And the fact that they had the opportunities of the of the starting field position due to turnovers and that punt return, and they couldn't do crap with it. I mean, the tea leaves were there. I mean, it was like like you said, as far as the perfect storm stuff. Well, I will I will tell you that I expected the game to be closer uh, because of Daniel Carlson, and and I agree with your grandfather Carlson. You are a turncoat. Um, I. I, I thought with that strong kicking game that that they would be able to keep this close. Um, I actually expected more with the return of Cameron Petway. I, I thought bringing back that 240-pound running back from Prattville, Alabama, I, I really thought that, you know, I don't have the stat in front of me, but his yards after contact in these other matchups, you know, like 65% of his yards on the season have been after contact. And so I said, you know, you and I have sat here and we've talked about this floodgate and we talked about this floodgate with this, you know, with this lack of depth at the inside of our defense. And so I was like, okay, now we got a 240-pound battering ram. How's he going to do? And um, when, when you go back and look at the stats, man, I had to, I had to like – this is another thing, right? If you're Auburn, okay, you only gave him the ball 12 times. Now, he had 26 yards, only 1.4 yards per carry. That blew my freaking mind. How did we stop that guy to 1.4 yards per carry? I don't think he was fully healthy. I I, I mean, I don't have there's there's you know, I don't know if that's an unsexy answer. I, there's no I don't think there is any, any razzmatazz to the explanation. I that just, would make sense as to why they only gave him the ball 12 times. Yeah, I just don't think he was fully healthy. Well, to your point about the time of possession, what helped is our ability to get off the field. Yeah, they only they only had 19 pass attempts and they only had 26 rushing attempts. So, you know, going into this stretch run as we talk about, I mean, hell, they only had 45 plays on offense. That's pretty good. Yeah, and they were two of 12 on third down conversions. And so, we've had a couple of games here where teams just couldn't couldn't get off the field. And I'll tell you what, this is two weeks in a row where I have seen some of the most vexing stat lines. So last week um, against Chattanooga, Garrick Dieter had a stat line. He had three catches for one yard and two touchdowns. <laughs> <laughs> sort that one out for me. And then uh, I, I, another sort of vexing stat is Auburn had nine points and one first down. Well, 
back to our lack of depth on the inside and Jonathan Allen having to play down and all the stuff we spoke about and Reuben Foster, like, you know, here's another example where Reuben Foster and Sean Dion Hamilton, you know, they played the majority of the snaps. I mean, how cool is it that we just played a team with the number two rushing attack in the SEC and our defense was only on the field for 45 plays? Yeah, and if you think about, you know, okay, next week we've got to go and, and play another game. How's How rested sort of will the team be? Well, I don't know. Defense will be pretty rested, right? They played a half of all. Well, the defense is going to be pretty re- pretty rested, and, and we're matching up against a team that, you know, Offense has not been their their strength so far. Right. So, it's, so it's, that's a good thing. It, you know, I don't want to equate Florida and, and Auburn, but there's a lot of similarities, right? They're they're uh, a stagnant offense with a really, really good defense. No, which is helpful because then we can wear down we can wear you know, we'll get to this in a minute, but we can wear them down like we like we spoke about. Right. Uh anything else on defense? If not, give me a mini game ball. Well, um, you know, I, I do want to quickly, uh, I do, I do want to quickly touch on, um, you know, the play of, you know, the backups when they came in the game. Um, I was, you know, I, I was very concerned when we came to the dime. I, I, I was concerned that, you know, how we would do when Adams came in there. But I was impressed in how he played. I was impressed in Levi Wallace and how he did. Hootie Jones took the next step to me. You know, I'll just go ahead and tell you he's my mini game ball, and I know he might not qualify, but he is starting to get more comfortable reading the quarterback's eyes and jumping sure. the routes. And and so when when Minka had to go to the to the star, Hootie had to go to the strong safety position. And and I thought that he 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 took that next step. You can see him getting more confident. And um, and before you do your mini game ball, because we probably should have led with this, another hell of a game from Ronnie Harrison. Oh, yeah. And you and I should have started the defense with this. So, Ronnie, we apologize. No offense to you, man. There were numerous times in the game that Ronnie Harrison was 20 yards deep at the free safety position, and he was making tackles on the in the flats behind the line of scrimmage. Yep. The range that this kid has – and his ability to float is amazing because the strong safety plays at the line of scrimmage, the free safety plays in center field. And his ability to – he's getting more and more comfortable recognizing plays before they happen. And so his range of going from 20 yards deep to the line of scrimmage and being physical at the point of attack is freaking awesome. It is awesome to freaking watch. It really is, and it's and it's really that – it's the game within the game. I mean, it's a little bit of inside baseball, right? When he lines up off the line of scrimmage, what's the quarterback read? He's in coverage. And so that can impact an RPO. That can impact an audible at the line. That can impact a play call. And and then how did he just make the tackle in the backfield? Because he was in coverage, you know, 10 or 12 yards deep. Uh, that can mess with play calling. That can mess with the quarterback's head. You know, what was it? Uh, quarterback at uh, Michigan State said last year they're everywhere, and he had a bluer version of that. But that's 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 why a quarterback says that because he was just in coverage, and he t- made the tackle behind the line of scrimmage. How does that happen? That doesn't happen. 
Oh, absolutely. And I, and I think that, you know, as we talk about Eddie Jackson and, and what happened with Eddie Jackson, you know, and, and not being in the game, if Ronnie Harrison doesn't play the way Ronnie Harrison is playing, um, you feel the loss a lot more of, uh, of, of Eddie. Sure. Sure. Yeah. They just spread, you know, it's, you know, they just, they, they spread, it's not one guy necessarily stepping up, but they're spreading the, the step up, right? If everyone just steps up a little bit, then no one else has to come in and be Eddie because no one can do that. But if we all step up just a little bit and we, and, and we can play well as a unit, then that, then that will give us the elevation that we need. Oh, absolutely. Well, give me your, uh, give me your mini game ball there. I'm DB heavy uh, on, you know, for this game, for what we've seen. Uh, I, w- I was going to sort of give the triumvirate of Hootie, Levi, and Minka uh, for sort of their interchangeable parts, the way that, uh, the, the way that they came in and, and adapted with, uh, with Tony Brown and Minka going out. And so uh, I sort of t- tipped the cap to all three of them because, you know, and that's one thing Coach talked about. Minka is sort of the biggest name of that bunch. But, you know, it's been a month. Uh, you know, three weeks a month since he's played at the star position. And Coach said he hasn't practiced a whole lot at it. It's just a good thing he played it a year and a half and was able to sort of, you know, move back. And so it wasn't like, you know, he's been out of the country for a year and now he's got, you know, it wasn't that bad. But it's still, he's been intensely picking up this other position to backfill. And then he's got to, you know, sort of on a dime, redirect himself and sort of get back in the flow of another position. Uh, that can be harder than it than it looks, and he made it look very easy. Uh, and then the other guys, you know, really stepped in as well. So hats off to the the the, the deep secondary. Smart kid, obviously, yeah. obviously yeah. a smart kid. Oh, without question, without question. Um, let's talk special teams. What uh, what did you see on special teams? So um, I guess we've given too much pub to to J.K. Scott. So he decided he had to shank one. Since we've uh, since we've talked so highly of him, um, no, uh, you know Tony Brown going down um, affected uh, him being Gunner on special yeah. teams. Um, I think the the backfield of the special teams was not quite as seamless as the backfield uh, on the defense. Sure. Um, you know, also again, um, you know, from a from a from a from an extra. Uh, from, you know, Adam had three, you know, Adam was three for three for the day, but back to your theory, he, he didn't have to stretch himself. I mean, he did a 29 yarder, a 25 yarder and a 34 yarder. It was nice to see him get the one right there at the half. Yes. Um, but, but I will say, you know, turncoat turncoat showed us what a strong kicker does. I mean, just to be fair, Joker, you know, Joker was four or five for the day and he kept Auburn in the game by himself. Um, but it, it was nice to, it was nice to see Adam be three for three. And, um, he, you know, he had five touchbacks on, on seven kickoffs. So he did a good job there. Yeah. And it was, and it was, you know, sort of a quasi pressure, pressure situation. There was a point in the game where, you know, whatever the score was, it was 10 to nine, I think at one point. And, and you think, man, any other team, this wouldn't bother me because we're going to sort of get over the hump. But there's something about this being stinking Auburn that they can't find a first down, but they're with they're within a 50 yard field goal and they've got the kicker to make it of of taking the lead. Um, 
you know, this is the type of game that that um, that Auburn, you know, I don't want to say that they could win, but it's the kind of game where maybe in the past they have uh, because they've sort of been outmatched, but they just have, I mean, they're like a cockroach, right? They just find a way. And so I didn't think necessarily that they would against a Saban team again in, in that way, but it was setting up like this is what these guys do. You know, we can't score two touchdowns fast enough to outdistance them because you, because there was a realization that, you know, if we get, you know, two touchdowns, if the Alabama gets two touchdowns up on them, that's going to be too much. And so their ability to score points, there's a cap on it that they're not going to score a whole lot of points, but I wouldn't want to be a couple field goals. I wouldn't want to be three, six, you know, three or six points when they can, you know, score field goals the way that they can. And so just get 14 so I can sit here and breathe a little easier. And uh, there was a point in the game where I was a little bit frustrated with that. And, you know, fortunately we came out and scored the points and overcame that. Well, dude, had we, had we not lost seven yards on second and one in the first drive, we would have got to that couple uh, score mark a little quicker to uh, to ease your uh, right. mind there. Right. Well, and, no, and, and, you know, there's a reason they had nine points in one first down, right? It was, you know, that's a very anomalous stat. It was the punt return and it was, you know, the, the turnovers that put them in, in position. So we gifted them those. Uh, if, you know, we talk about, uh, you know, part of the downside, part of, not all of, part of the downside on Jalen's performance, those are going to be those interceptions. If those balls had fallen harmlessly, then sort of the weight, the negative sort of impact on his performance is completely different. Take six points off their score, that's completely different, and that's us possessing the ball. Maybe we actually drive one of those times and 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 score, and so and they have the ball even less than nineteen minutes. So it <laughs> the, I don't yeah. know how that happens at, at some point, but yes, you're right. And so um, if if we're a little cleaner in our performance, you know, the Tide's performance, then it's actually more of and this is one of those weird games where it, it the the performance was much much more dominating than it looks, and, and especially kind of looking at the stats, but it, it's much more dominating than it feels at the time. For them to have almost no yards in the first half, then they should almost not have any points, but but they did, right? And, and we had the turnovers that kept points off the board, you know, potentially points off the board, uh, you know, for us. And so, you know, it would not be a stretch to say this should have been, you know, 44 to six or something, you know, we should have definitely hung moral than, than we did. Yes. Right. Right. And so, you know, and it is what it is. And I, they were on scholarship too. And, you know, and they come out and, and, you know, they try to win the game as well. And they've got some talent. I don't, I'm not, I'm, you know, I'm just saying if we had been a little, if the tide had been a little cleaner, then I think the outcome is a little different, but you know, it kind of is what it is. Hey, we're talking special teams and, and, and we talked about, you know, like you said, Adam was three for three, and there was some quasi pressure, and so you know it was good to kind of see that. Um, I talked about this this last week, and I, I I wanted to bring it up again and kind of get your your perform your uh, perspective. Um, you know, Trayvon Diggs for my money the last couple of weeks, uh, less actually so against Auburn, but the last couple of weeks he just didn't he doesn't seem natural, he doesn't seem comfortable back there, and he probably seemed more comfortable 
Saturday than he has the weeks prior. But, you know, kind of what's your thought on Trayvon back there? Obviously, I know because Eddie, but Trayvon back there returning punts. Why do you why do you think we've maybe not seen Xavier Marks? I am surprised by that because, you know, Marks Marks has the big touchdown and but then but then he has, you know, some well, I think the reason Marks is not back there is because he was misjudging those balls, which was which was costing huge field position differentials. Right. And Saban's all that I think that's his bogey. Field position is his thing. Right. And so he would rather Trayvon Diggs fair catch it and 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 play the ball correctly than gain a single yard forward moving the ball. Yeah. But Trayvon's had some of those too. And so I think that, you know, was he given a chance to sort of play through it and maybe Marks wasn't? Is it really because yes. Marks yes. – yes. maybe that's what it is because he's a bigger guy. Um, and, and again, Saban's kind of got some old school – you know, he's going to defer sometimes it feels like to the bigger, more physical guy. And, and, and Trayvon is demonstrably bigger than Xavier. Uh, I mean, Xavier goes like 165. I mean, he's, a, he's slight. Yeah, he's 5'8". Uh, right. And so that doesn't mean he can't be electric. That just no, no, but, Tray- but Trayvon is 6'2". Right. That's a, you're talking six inches. That's a big so, differential. So I don't know. I just, I'm just not as comfortable. And, you know, I'm, I don't Well, want- you got used to Eddie Jackson. And, and there is no, I mean, I mean, what is interesting to me is. Cyrus last year and, you know, and just other players, right? This just seems if you were to run together, who have we had back there? This just this is the year where to me it feels like there's a drop off, you know, once Eddie went down. No, there has been a drop off. And interestingly enough, though, um I don't think with this defense, if Saban if Saban keeps them from driving the field and he fair catches the ball at the forty five yard line, he doesn't care. No, that's yeah, fine. I, I I just don't think he I mean, like I think he's like, Okay, we lost Eddie Jackson, we lost what Eddie Jackson brought to the table. I'm surprised he hasn't tried our Darius Stewart, even though that would drive me crazy. I'm surprised he hasn't tried Cam Sims. I'm surprised he hasn't tried some other guys. Okay. No, Sims, Sims, Sims I think, is, is sort of too tall and, and a little wiry. I don't know that he goes – I don't know that he I'm, goes I'm just saying I'm surprised he hasn't tried somebody else to, to try to reinvent the sure. explosive behavior. I think our Darius Stewart would be the next closest thing. Yeah, I agree with um, that. But I'm glad he hasn't because of what all our Darius Stewart brings to the table. Yeah. And so I think he's kind of said, you know, I don't feel like I've got anybody else right now, so just fair catch the ball and let's just get our offense on the field. No, I think that's fair, right, you know, you know, after actually scoring the ball, the second best thing you can do is possess it. So, you know, I will possess the ball in the 45 air all day long. Um, and the other team will possess the ball 19 minutes like we talked about. So they need to be fair, right? Now, I will tell you, I will tell you this, this defense ability to keep teams from scoring is helping your frustration with uh, the kickoffs. Because Dieter had one kickoff and he, he gave all this damn effort to get to the 25-yard line. And our Darius had two kickoffs for 37 yards. So, and you look at Auburn, they didn't do any damn better. And right. so it's like we need to send out a damn bulletin to college football return guys. Just take the ball in the end zone, get the ball 25 every time. Well, we talked about it at the game. If I were the coach, I would instruct the PA announcer to announce negative yards on the return. 
That would be so freaking cool. Man, could you imagine people in the Our Darius Stewart has just lost five yards on the play. Our Darius Stewart, negative five on the kickoff return. He'd be like, I'm taking that, taking that damn knee in the end zone next time. Fans would could you imagine like fans would be like, What? What is that? Is there a new rule? Negative five yards on the return. No, that would be awesome. All right, let's talk about Florida, man. My, mine's going to be quick, so I'm going to let you start. What do you think happens here? Um, you know, we uh, we got to play these guys last year, and uh, they they lost twenty nine to fifteen uh, to uh, to the Crimson Tide. What do you what do you see for for this game given uh, uh, given their performance against Florida State on Saturday? Yeah, and that twenty nine to fifteen wasn't as close as that. And I remember doing that show, and I remember. Um, you know, sort of compiling and, and looking at the stats, you know, Alabama just completely throttled and, and dismount, you know, sort of dismantled the Gators, uh, you know, last year, save for a couple of big plays that they had. And, and I don't know that, I don't know that Florida's as good as they were last year on offense or defense. I don't, I just don't think they're as good on, on either side of the ball. Definitely and, not on offense. Yes. Yeah. And, and Alabama has proven to be, you know, it, at least as good and, and maybe better um, and, and and maybe on both sides of the ball. I don't, I don't know, but certainly at least as good. I think that, um, you know, I saw where McElwain released their injury report. And for a little bit, I thought, man, is he pulling a Bill Belichick? Because he listed so many guys. And then I looked at it, I looked at it a little more closely. And about half the guys he listed, he said, are out. And so I thought, no. You know, you might list a bunch of guys like, oh, he's got a stub toe and a and a hangnail, and so I'm gonna put him on the on the report. So, you know, maybe that creates a little bit of deception. But if somebody is out, they're out. You know, you, there's you're not gaming. You're just you know you're sort of following the rules and 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 announcing that. And there are so many folks that they have out, and they've got some disruption on the offensive line as a result of that. Um, I. I don't want to be the guy that says Alabama could pick their score on this. I think I read someone, I read somewhere where someone said that. I think that's a little audacious because, I mean, it is the SEC championship game, and it is. You know, he's not going to run the score up on Michael Wayne. He's not, and 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 it is Florida. I mean, they still got some talent. They may have to go deeper into their bench and have some youth, but I mean, it's going to be quad. They're going to be quality players, even if they're inexperienced. I see this as a. Um, and I even I'm even going to coin a term here. I am calling this, and 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 this is like us being spoiled Alabama fans. This is a pedestrian drubbing. Um, I'm calling a 36 to six, and so it feels like oh we should beat them you know 48 to seven or something. But and I, no, I, I think, see I think, a I little more pedestrian, but but uh, but but still a drubbing. Yeah, I think he's going to shut it down before he lets it get out yeah. of hand. Yes. Um, because of his relationship with McElwain. Yeah. Um, I can see, um, you know, take this Auburn game as an example. I mean, you know, look at the, look at the final score that look at the final score that we had in this ball game, and we we obviously, you know, minus the turnovers, we we would have put more than thirty points on the board. So I think we're not going to see fifty, uh, but I think we're going to get in the forties. Um, and so, uh, you know, he's not going to be crazy about it, but you know, you can't start taking a knee in the third quarter. So I, I think it's going to be something like 42 to, I think it's gonna be like 42 to seven. 
I think they're going to break the touchdown streak. They're going to have some fluke play and get a touchdown. Okay. But um, it's not going to be close. I was going to ask that close. question. Did they break the touchdown streak? I think they break the, I think they break the streak, but this isn't going to be close, man. I mean, this is going to be – this is going to be worse than it was last year for the Florida Gators, and they're going to be pissed off. Right. I like, I like the ability that we have to say that oh, we've not allowed an offensive touchdown since October. So think about if if we sort of take care of business here in in very 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 early December, and the next game isn't played until the whole month of December has transpired. How <laughs> How much better sounding of a stat would that be on December 31st when we're able to say Alabama hasn't allowed an, a, an offensive touchdown since mid-October, which by then it'll feel like forever ago. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I, I think this is going to be a fun game to, to go and watch, and um, we're going to be able to uh, celebrate and uh, have some drinks early. Yeah, and you know what? This is just one of those things, and you and I try to do this, and it's hard. Um, man, we just got to enjoy this. This is a ride that we just have to enjoy. You know, this is the third consecutive trip to the SEC uh, championship game. Uh, it's it's teed up for it to be the third consecutive win. I can't remember the last time. You know, I'm sure there's a, there's a stat book somewhere. You know, when did someone last win it three times in a row? And then this this is the opportunity to have you know three births into the the playoff, um, and you know I sort of penned an article that hopefully I'll post, uh, and and I said you know it's the kind of thing that you know the the inaugural three playoff births we've made our playoffs we've made a birth into each of them, and unless we beat that record next year. It's the kind of record that can stand for like 20 years. Now, if they expand the playoffs, sort of, you know, but it's the kind of thing, if you think about the history of football and sort of everything is sort of now, 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 and trees grow to the sky and stuff like that, but it's the kind of thing you think, you know, three consecutive births into that type of a tight field, that doesn't happen. That can be very rare, right? Um, and so that's the kind of thing that can last 20 years. And, um, and we should just enjoy this moment because, man, it's so much darn fun. And one day it will end. <laughs> no, one day it will end. And um, I do think it speaks a little bit to right now just the huge talent disparity between, you know, Alabama and other teams in the SEC. Right. I'm not even suggesting that it's about to end, but I'm just saying, man, you know, because I remember even just you and I, right? That just there was there was a different level of sort of joy. You know, back in, you know, we played Florida the last two times, right? Well, back when we played Florida, you know, you know, back to back, you know, several years ago, right? There was a different level of joy versus maybe now it's expectancy. And, and you know, I I would give a little bit to have some of that sort of authentic joy. <laughs> it's maybe different from what we have now because because it is different. Oh, it is. And Bama uh, fans just need to enjoy it for sure. Right. Absolutely. All right, man. Well, this has been another edition of the Alabama Football Podcast, Roll Tide. Thanks for listening to the Alabama Football Podcast. We love that you're tuned in and hope that you enjoyed the show. We encourage you to reach out and let us know what you like, where we can improve, or just to shout out a Roll Tide. We are where you are. 
iTunes, Facebook, Twitter, email newsletters, t-shirts, free roster downloads, and of course, on the web at alabamafootballpodcast.com. Check us out where you'll find easy links to your favorite way to follow the tie. Got that, Coach? Of course. Roll Tide. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.